You're listening to Door to the District from Glasgow City Innovation District. From space and quantum applications to cutting-edge financial and health technology, this series is all about the collaboration, entrepreneurship and world-class research housed here in the city and making an impact around the world. Each episode, we take a peek behind some of the many varied district doors, finding out how people work, innovate and grow. Where we've managed to bring industry, academia and government together. And and that can often be quite a challenge to work uh, with these groupings. But actually, if you get it right, it's it's not a challenge. It's 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 a great opportunity. And this time you join us as we take stock of the next generation of communication technologies. We can see a lot of interest from businesses in understanding what 5G can do for them, whether it be productivity, whether it be new ways of uh, delivering communications, whether it be new ways of making their own business or sector more efficient. And how the city is putting a spotlight on groundbreaking innovation. Future-proving wireless communication indoors by exploiting the light spectrum, which is, uh, by the way, 2,600 times larger than the entire radio spectrum. Welcome to episode six of Door to the District. I'm your host, Katrina Shearer. And you join me as we get acquainted with another industry cluster here in the city, one that covers a topic that seems familiar and pretty commonplace. When it comes to reaching family and friends or contacting companies, we're sometimes spoilt for choice. We can use the internet to find information, watch videos and listen to music, even connect with others using email or audio or video. At home or out and about, most of us carry a phone allowing us to make and receive calls whenever we want. We've become accustomed to convenience, availability and ease of use. That is, of course, if you live in a well-served community and can afford access. And even if you are, you've probably still experienced barriers like dead spots and dropped connections or maybe just the loss of power. Well, this show is about the work to tackle all of these problems, along with bigger, more pressing challenges as well. The cluster in question is 5G and Advanced Communications, to give it its full title. No doubt you're familiar with 5G and maybe you've heard of Advanced Communications as well. Right now, you might be using a mobile device or possibly a smart speaker to listen to this show – And whether it uses 4G or 5G or Wi-Fi, they're all examples of advances in communication. And it's no surprise to learn that new innovations and further advances are in development. What may come as a surprise, though, is the huge number of projects and the groundbreaking achievements that can be uncovered right here in Glasgow. And the first thing to unwrap is probably what we mean by 5G and advanced communications. For those who are in the industry, what does it encompass and what does it mean for their day-to-day work? As ever, at the district, there's a wealth of knowledge and experience, experts who can help us understand both the finer details and the bigger picture. And our first expert is an excellent candidate to get us up to speed. As Professor of Communications at the University of Strathclyde, Bob Stewart has years of academic and industry experience, and he also leads the 5G and Advanced Communications cluster in the district. And while the term 5G may lead us to think of the latest, fastest mobile phone network, 
Professor Stewart and his colleagues have a much broader view. We're talking about the, the new generation. You know, what's different that didn't happen before? One of the things for us that's different is shared spectrum. The fact that we and you and other companies and councils can get access to spectrum to build something that's not a kind of best effort Wi-Fi style implementation, but is a, is a, is a 5G network with what we call low latency. So low delays, you know, that low delay to allow you to do surgery over the, the internet or, or very high bandwidth to allow you to do AR, VR type uh, conferences. 5G for us and, and for many is, is the current generation of, of new activity, new applications, absolutely new technology, new business models. So, uh, you know, if we do build a, a, a private shared spectrum network and it's in the, you know, in you know, some town in the, you know, in the Highlands of Scotland, if it's what I'd call a walled garden, if you turn up from, uh, you know, wherever you are and, you know, you want to, uh, roam onto our network, well, you can't. Oh, right. Well, that's not very useful apart from for the villagers. Uh, and if the villagers leave and they go to Aberdeen and they get to Aberdeen and, well, they can't roam onto a network there, then, we're all a bit disappointed. So that requires a bit of technology, but it requires a business model. It requires somebody to say, you know what, let's, in these 5G systems, let's work with the mobile network operators. Maybe let's do something we might call neutral hosting and, and let's find a way of making these more seamless and another term we use is network of networks. And it's not just individuals who are consumers. Just as we find communication technology useful in our lives, businesses too find it advantageous. Vital, in fact, when it comes to trading, dealing with suppliers, customers and even employees. And supporting and implementing this type of technology for business and economic development in Scotland is the mission of the Scotland 5G Centre. Our next guest, Mike Short, is on the advisory board for the centre, helping it to establish innovation activities across the country. Well, if we think about the growth of the nation and the strengths in Scotland, it it seems ridiculous that not every business even has a website. But if we think about why they would need a website, it's to reach customers, whether it's within Scotland or even internationally. It's also important to think, therefore, about connectivity and the website and the connectivity that go hand in hand are critical to reach wider audiences. It's therefore about efficient channel and customer access. It's also about productivity for the workforce. Many people now work from home, so the ability to work with their employer remotely requires better connectivity. Some of these capabilities are much more visual or data orientated with viewing in mind. If we think, for example, about a a remote factory, the ability to connect that remote factory to protect the workers to work safely in a remote location or a remote mine or a remote forest, the same logic applies. We can also see ways of factory automation being improved with new forms of connectivity, such as private networks. The perspective at the cluster is one that we find across Glasgow City Innovation District, developing, testing and implementing with collaboration and knowledge sharing. Throughout this series, we've discovered how experts in quantum, fintech and health tech have made an impact as they work with a broad range of partners in the district and beyond. And when it comes to 5G and advanced communications, that model has also led to breakthroughs and growth. What we are trying to do is is bring our experience at Strathclyde, engage with other partners nearby, whether it's SMEs or whether it's large 
corporate organisations and, and integrate that around the, the Glasgow City Innovation District, which happens to, to overlap on Strathclyde's uh, campus. So my own work over many years has been working specifically with various uh, companies and we've, we've built some large projects where we've managed to bring industry, academia and government together. And, and that can often be quite a challenge to work uh, with these groupings. But actually, if you get it right, it's it's not a challenge. It's a, it's, a, it's a great opportunity. And we've actually been very successful at that at Strathclyde. And, you know, a few years ago, two, three years ago, it became clear that we want to take some of that activity, that momentum with some of our, uh, our, our key partners, our so-called tier one industry partners and our government engagements and try and help grow the industry base around the Glasgow City Innovation District. We've now found that we've got, we've got great momentum. And as well as the pure technology piece, uh, there's a lot of kind of techie aspect to this. There is, of course, the integration piece with the other clusters, whether it be space tech or fintech or health tech or, or, or informatics or even quantum. So that's our, that's our endeavor in 5G and advanced comms. We're looking at the, the fifth generation uh, of mobile wireless communications. The development of advanced communications sounds very technical, and it is. Researchers, whether in academia or industry, are taking strides to create robust, flexible and practical solutions that will serve individuals, business and the wider economy. The Scotland 5G Centre, also based in the district, offers advice and expertise to help organisations get to grips with the latest developments so they can reduce costs, open new markets and grow. And with over 30 years of industry experience, including a tenure as the Chief Scientific Advisor for the Department of International Trade and Vice President of Telefonica, the parent company of mobile firm O2, Mike knows deeply about those benefits. He's also encountering new and surprising innovations thanks to partnerships. So the Scottish 5G Centre has worked also with the UK 5G organisation, which has hosted lots of demonstrators, uh, funded often by DCMS, uh, the Department for Digital Culture, Media and Sport. But in addition to those demonstrators, it's raised understanding as to how connectivity can really raise the bar, raise the bar for businesses, but also access for customers. Uh, we can also see that uh, some of the raised understanding is making people think about new ways of doing things. So it was a bit of a surprise to me when doctors started to think about remote operating theatres. How can you actually do an operation when you're not actually in the operating theatre with the patient? You can only do these things with high speed capabilities such as 5G, where low latency helps move the robotic arms remotely. Not everybody will want this, but when there are insufficient surgeons in every city, the ability of a surgeon that's expert in a particular operation doing it remotely has to be considered in the vision. It's not just though about telesurgery, it's much more about new ways of doing things remotely. And as we've seen with COVID, the ability to work from wherever we are became much more important. So we'll see a lot of activities in telehealth, but also in factory automation, also in better information about e-commerce, where the role of connectivity and the higher speeds of 5G play a big difference. The 5G Centre has established test beds for businesses to trial run innovations in advanced communications with a real focus on health. 
Innovations in care solutions like remote monitoring to keep an eye on care recipients, assessing if their accommodation's well heated, if they're unresponsive or detecting if they've fallen. Innovations that help to alleviate the burden on care workers already challenged by workloads. They've also focused on how connectivity can make a big difference in rural areas. And those 5G test centres are well known to Bob Stewart and his colleagues, with some becoming proving grounds for innovation. Tackling the challenges of rural connections, they set out to discover if they could use their expertise and experience on a project called 5G Rural First. Could they work towards delivering the benefits we've heard about, like fast connections to support digital healthcare solutions, or simply just allow a stable, reliable and affordable high-speed connection? Now, in terms of, of solving that problem, there's maybe two ways it will happen to get the latest technology in rural areas. One is business as usual by the mobile network operators. And the second one, if that doesn't happen because there's no business model, there's only 10 people per square kilometre, you know, Glasgow's 3,000 per square kilometre, then the, you know, the second way is, is an intervention, you know, government funding to intervene to make something uh, perhaps uh, happen. So our project was maybe about a third way. Is there any way we could create private networks could we build something that would be fit for purpose and better than best effort and demonstrate there was maybe another way to, to try and look at rural uh, connectivity? And to do that as a university, we just don't have the facility. We don't, of course, have the funds. We don't have the technology. And for a government to do that, you know, they would require to, you know, subcontract or appoint or put out tenders. And for a business to do that, well, they would require a business model. Where's the income coming from? And therefore, no one party was really going to drive that. So we partnered with Cisco uh, on 5G Rural First. And with Cisco, and we engaged with some other groups, such as Scottish Futures Trust, who are linked into to, to Scottish uh, government and others. We brought in some councils. But bringing this together allowed us to uh, to drive forward a, a great partnership program that otherwise you know, wouldn't have happened. We could all have done our work in isolation, but uh, this was a platform that, uh, that brought us together. Getting a collaborative framework in place was essential, as Professor Stewart explains. And as he also suggested, even with partnerships, there still is a major barrier. The cost. The mobile network operators, or MNOs, like Vodafone, O2, EE and 3, spend billions to acquire operation licences. With these, they can provide us with a network connection. But terrain, geography, hampers their ability to achieve blanket coverage across the country. And that's a big issue for rural communities. Getting them connected could mean big losses for any company that acquires an expensive licence and then attempts to roll out full coverage. But the district could have a solution by working with their partners, including the government. With the help of Ofcom, the government's telecommunications authority, they got permission to use white space. That's the unused frequencies on the broadcast spectrum. You can think of it as the empty space in between radio stations or TV channels, space that was reserved, barred from use in local spectrum band plans. Using or sharing white space to connect businesses and underserved communities is seen as a new emerging technology, and it's also been described as revolutionary. Revolution is a big word for a government office to use. 
regarding shared spectrum and the prospects that can bring to new services, new business models, new opportunities. And we built on shared spectrum. And if we didn't have that, we couldn't have done the project. So that was an input that allowed us to be one of the very, very early adopters uh, of using shared spectrum and demonstrating this almost third way of, of building a network. And that was a, that was a key differentiator and a key output of what we did in 5G Rural First was an evolution onto a number of other projects. One with the Scotland 5G Centre, which we called the Wave 1 project, looking at more rural uh, connectivity. And uh, uh, another, which was 5G New Thinking, where we brought all of the knowledge together in a, in a, a kind of toolkit to say to other folks, and that could be communities, that could be councils, that could be tech companies, large, small, this is what we did. Here's all the things we learned and, you know, some of the problems we overcame, whether it's equipment, whether it's licensing, whether it's business model, whether it's you know, community engagement. And we, we put it all in a, a kind of final output, which uh, is something that's available online that you can go and have a look at and say, right, this is what we learned and this is what we achieved. And, you know, we, we've now found that our team's working with Kenya, we're working with New Zealand, we get you know, folks in Ireland we're speaking to and France and Switzerland and shared spectrum is something kind of new. And uh, building these networks is no longer just the preserve of, of license holders who've paid the government, you know, hundreds of millions of, of pounds. There's now something else. And we think uh, it's uh, it's just at the beginning. And there's going to be some kind of significant progress over a number of uh, over a number of years in uh, this type of shared spectrum network using 5G technologies. It is indeed just the beginning. Our next guest, also involved in rural connectivity projects in Scotland, is making huge steps when it comes to the development of advanced communication. Professor Harold Haas is also at the University of Strathclyde, and his work in high-speed communication is found outside of white spaces and broadcast frequencies. In fact, he's discovered an entirely new way to transmit mobile data, called Li-Fi. So LIFI stands for light fidelity. And unlike uh, wireless communications that use the radio frequency, radio signals, LIFI uses the light, so light waves uh, for data communication. And uh, that's nothing new in that sense because you use light already in fiber communication, so infrared light in fiber. But what is really new is that we use uh, light for wireless communications for mobile communications as well. Everybody knows what a, what a light bulb is. Um, and a light bulb is currently being replaced uh, by LED light. And LEDs are solid state lighting devices. And as such, they can be turned on and off very, very quickly. And, and this feature of uh, switching them on and off very quickly allows us to encode data. So that mechanism is, is used for high-speed data transmission. So the, the idea really being if LiFi is you take any light source around you, you put a LiFi uh, modem behind it, and you have a high speed data transmitter. Uh, so we are working towards integrating LiFi technology into smartphones, so that in the future, when you are at home having your, your, your uh, team sessions or, or Zoom sessions, you're having that wire, you are light in the ceiling, and really is about, about using the lights around us for high-speed wireless networks. As the leader and founder of the LiFi Research and Development Centre, located in the district, Professor Haas is now working on the deployment of this incredible technology. 
When in use, Li-Fi is imperceptible to the human eye. Even though the lights have to flicker to transmit data, we're unable to notice it. Its speed operates way beyond that of computer monitors, TV screens and our mobile devices, reaching gigahertz, over a million switches per second. That's in comparison to the tens or hundreds that our devices often use. And having established that Li-Fi is safe to use in homes and offices, Professor Haas's department is investigating numerous applications for the tech and the encouraging benefits. The applications are really, really, really what excites us. I'll give you just a few examples. I've mentioned home networking. We sadly realised during the COVID phase how much we rely on um, wireless connectivity at home. And if many people in a household take up a lot of uh, capacity, you ha- you're squeezed. And we have seen that squeeze. So what we envision, envision to do is we just turn on the, the lighting system and, and, and get additional capacity, additional data pipes within, within a home network. Future proving wireless communication indoors by exploiting the, uh, the light spectrum, which is, uh, by the way, 2,600 times larger than the entire radio spectrum. The other example that, that, that uh, really um, we are working on is uh, free space optical communications. People, communities in the highlands, up in the rural areas, they can't benefit from uh, one gigabit data communications. They don't have 5G, maybe also not 4G. We had a project up in the Orkneys where people lived on a, a two megabit copper uh, copper connection line. So what we build is free space optical communication systems where you have a laser that you put on a mast, for example, a energy uh, grid mast, and then you have a, a, another mast and you beam the the internet from one point to another point up to say 10 kilometers with a laser beam. And then you have a receiver at the other end, and then you can distribute the internet into areas that that are remote and where no MNO would provide any fiber connection because the business case is is not given to dig up uh, rocks or or, or roads into rural communities. But laser in the air, you can do it quite quite cost-effectively. It moves on from there into health applications, uh, into IoT applications, but also into data center applications providing sort of terabit per second connections between racks and data centers. So the the application space is enormous, and that creates an enormous opportunity in research, but also commercially. These are just some of the potential applications, and sitting alongside developments being investigated by Professor Stewart, as well as projects run by the Scotland 5G Centre, the district's building a catalogue, a toolkit of proven and desirable applications. With the centre looking at the rollout of the next phase of testing at the regional hubs, Mike sees the implementation of advanced communication as a huge benefit. Benefits that go way beyond faster download speeds. 5G really takes us to higher speeds, such as a gigabit per second download speed. We can also look at the higher capacity that 5G brings, thus enabling things like private networks uh, in factory automation terms or in shopping mall terms. Uh, Some of the capability to use artificial intelligence is harnessed much more fully. Uh, The ability to add higher levels of security and also new APIs for applications development. These are all innovations that come with 5G. 
Clearly, 5G also embraces Wi-Fi and satellite. In terms of Wi-Fi, it's a very powerful combination to use Wi-Fi indoors, 5G outdoors. But similarly, when, when it comes to rural coverage or remote coverage, the ability to use satellite is a great complement as well. And we often forget the needs of rural areas or remote areas such as marine areas. We need to think about combinations to offer the best coverage, whether it's indoor, outdoor or remote. Those remote networks that Mike describes are clearly an advantage for communities and businesses who are lacking connectivity, but they also leave engineers like Bob with a few challenges. Challenges like a stable signal and power source, and tackling this challenge has led to more innovation. We're talking to colleagues uh, in Orkney about you know, putting in what we'll call a 5G standalone radio. And we had a discussion actually just today about maybe a demonstrator or a, a, a kind of bird sanctuary and some high resolution cameras. And of course, that is, you know, in the middle of marshland, middle of nowhere, so to speak. So if you want to power that, well, you've got to lay a cable there, an electrical power cable. And if you're going to lay an electrical power cable there, well, you might as well put an optical fiber there. And depending on the distance you're doing, you're talking about a lot of money. It's very, very expensive to dig these trenches to get all the way leaves, to get all the permission, you know, hundreds of thousands, maybe more. So for that reason, what we call backhaul, getting the data from that wireless station to somewhere else, very expensive. But what if you could run that from a solar panel, maybe from a wind turbine and some batteries at charge? And what if you could get your backhaul from the sky, from, from satellite? So Starlink, you know, SpaceX, uh, that really works. And if you can run that all, from a renewable, then, you know, give us a couple of years in this one, but uh, you could have an entirely standalone kind of 5G network serving whatever market you wish. Whether it's connecting wildlife sanctuaries, rural communities or remote work sites, the benefits of these innovations are clear to see. And after being successfully tested in Scotland, they can be rolled out in other locations across the world. Having an affordable go-anywhere network could be a game-changer for organisations, helping them to reduce waste, cut carbon emissions and maximise efficiency. It would also be a game-changer for underserved communities who are still struggling to get online and enjoy the benefits. While Antarctica's tiny population of mainly researchers can claim to be fully connected, even the Falkland and Faroe Islands enjoy coverage for around 99% of the population, countries like Eritrea and Somalia in comparison have only a few hundred thousand internet users between them, around 2% of the population. Using existing cost-effective technology like solar panels is one way to help address connection inequality. And in addition, Professor Haas sees solar as a key component when it comes to a carbon-neutral future. We use LEDs and lasers for data transmission, but receivers are an important part of that system. And what we have done is we've pioneered the use of solar panels as data receivers. That would mean that if you have a solar cell on your roof, you could harvest ambient light, but could have the same panel acting as your broadband receiver. So we can have energy harvesting and data reception can be easily combined in Li-Fi. That's one major point that enhances the energy efficiency. And the other point, of, of course, is if you have your lighting on in your offices or at home, uh, rather than having the light bulb as a device that provides illumination as a service, it will provide 
in addition, data connectivity. So essentially it's piggybacked and therefore it comes in that sense uh, for free. But obviously, if, if it, during the daytime and the lights are off, you would still have data connectivity by using infrared light from these devices. Within just a short visit, I've learned a lot about the innovations in the 5G and advanced communications cluster and the many benefits of the work here. But those benefits are not solely there for end users. They're also apparent in the district itself. Helping employees, businesses and the economy is, of course, part of the mission. The Scotland 5G Centre is also a member of the district and, as a result of being in the heart of the collaborative research and development efforts, there's another benefit, one that helps them achieve their goals. I think we should think about this from a talent point of view. One of the things that the university is very good at is training and researching talent for the future. But sometimes the facilities need to embrace business and therefore enterprise. So bringing the innovation activity together in Glasgow is a way of bringing talent from the university environment into the business environment. It's a way of finding uh, skills that business employers need that will enhance their connectivity, their digital agenda, their transformation. Innovation does not stand still. Ideas come from everywhere. So bringing people together from the university community into the business community is a real benefit when it comes to connectivity. Professor Haas also has a goal at the district, one that's built upon the partnerships fostered in the city. The melting pot of academia, industry and government is turbocharging his ambition to create an ecosystem, a network that can develop, produce, market and service innovations like LiFi. It's a paradigm shift. So it requires new devices, it requires new transmitters, it requires new receivers, the system integration, new software, new applications. Some market firms uh, value it at, in, in the billions region, so billions of dollars uh, in, in, in the market potential. And what we'd like to do is by diversifying across the entire technology ecosystem, diversifying with specific bespoke um, companies to really harness as much as possible of this complete entire entire market um, that is available for Li-Fi technology. And that, that is really building, building the broad base for that is, is, is behind the idea of, of developing that, that, that ecosystem and, and the supply chain within that ecosystem. As we've heard today, that ambition is already being realised. The district's members and partners see it as a great place to do business, to grow and to prosper. And that recognition is shared outside of the district too. Across the country and around the world, the district has a growing reputation thanks to its community of diverse disciplines. When people see what we're doing internationally, there's a, you know, there's a, an opportunity to collaborate. From my point of view, I'm, I'm looking for the, uh, the 5G and advanced comms cluster to have a fantastic set of related, you know, SMEs, companies here and choosing to be here because of the stream of talent, choosing to be here because there's very interesting projects they can get support from. You're choosing to be here because they say, oh, wait a minute, fintech, space tech, health tech, these are other markets. And, you know, it's not just a 5G cluster, it's the cluster of the clusters that would attract. So that's that's been the value to us. And, and whether it's having a conference call with, you know, friends in New Zealand, friends in Trinidad and Tobago, you know, in the US and Canada, it, it's brought us fantastic international visibility. And that's, that's, that in itself, you know, what's the value in that? Nothing. 
But the volume in that is the credibility for what we are doing, the credibility of the, the tech and the companies here, and then helping, and this is something I'm you know passionate about, helping those international partners to consider that uh, if they are setting up in Europe or elsewhere, then this is the best place to consider setting up. The support we can give you in the cluster with the university, with you know others around, with with tier ones nearby. So I, I think we're seeing that. In fact, I know we're seeing that uh, with uh, some of the tier ones we're working with, and and there's real physical presence in Scotland. Uh, you know, with these companies. So what can we expect in the future? With an ecosystem of clusters, or cluster of clusters, as Professor Stewart describes it, there's a growing community focused on some of the world's biggest challenges. Challenges that innovation and the innovation district can confidently face. I think what is on the horizon is 6G, the sixth sixth generation. And that's a, that's a great, great journey. And, and one of the key performance indicators uh, for 6G are connecting the unconnected and, and sustainability. So really getting towards a net zero. And, and uh, at, at the moment, uh, mobile data requires around 2 to 5% of the entire energy consumption. And that really has to come down. So these are challenges. And at, at the same time, our entire society moves towards reliance on digital technologies. And, and all digital technologies require connectivity hardly any any bit that is produced somewhere be it on your camera will stay there forever it will be transmitted to some server somewhere and every digital bit has to move bridging the, the digital divide is, is one of the challenge but really also building terabit per second wireless connectivity that we may need for advanced ar vr applications holographic displays uh, will be will be coming in the future really advancing at a society advancing productivity with data connectivity using using light as a medium. I would say that whatever you can possibly think of in terms of the evolution of comms that will happen, and I'll give you one that will come very quickly. My my wife is from New Zealand, so that you know that my, my son's out there at the moment. We've got family in New Zealand. And if we want to speak to them, there's well there's Zoom, there's a telephone call, there's Teams, there's all these different modes. But it's it's just around the corner where you know, you will, you will be mic'd up, you know, with whatever type of headset you wear. And I'll just say to, you know, my son Hamish is out there. I'll say, Hamish, where are you today? And there'll be the voice recognition. He'll pick it up, fire it over the international network. You know, go to Hamish's and they say, Oh, I'm in Melbourne today, dad. What are you up to? Oh, I'm just going to work. Right. I'll see you later. And you know, the process of the interface of dialing, booking, logging in, gone. It's all going to be based in voice recognition. It's going to be based on, you know, international, you know, location databases. You know, that we know exactly where I am. We know exactly where Hamish is. It will be seamless. And same for, you know, same for video, you know, the, the, again, what you will do with FaceTime, Zoom, all these things, uh, that will just become uh, almost seamless. And, and then the, you know, the, the technologies of, you know, holograms and, you know, uh, uh, augmented reality and virtual reality and, you know, projections of people in 3D. Yep. That's going to happen. And it might take us a while for the technology to mature and for people to start using it, but we will. And, you know, if you go back to, you've got to be old for this, but if you go back to the original Star Trek, uh, you know, in the sixties, these guys weren't fanciful enough in their thinking. You know, anything they came up with with the communications, you know, and their communicator devices were way ahead of that now. We still can't transport people, but that will come, I'm sure, from the quantum people. They'll sort that one out. It will be whatever whatever you can think of, that's what will happen. 
Next time on Door to the District, we get to grips with the critical climate challenge and find out how innovation and the district has a part to play in finding solutions. The work that we have planned for the city and the work that others in the city intend to do in partnership with us, these will create hundreds if not thousands of long-term jobs for people in Glasgow. They'll create programmes of work for businesses in the city to work on for years. Industrial heating is a social investment and it benefits from strong, wide support from stakeholders, customers, investors. So the more buy-in you have and the more collaboration and the more engagement there is, the better the outcomes. That's the challenge, but it's also the opportunity. And I think where we start to combine different interventions together, that starts to signal to investors and to people who live and work in the area that actually change is happening here. That's it for this episode. Thank you to our guests, Professor Bob Stewart, Dr Mike Short and Professor Harold Haas. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.